Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Welcome to the Storied Podcast. I'm your host and friendly local realtor, Trevor Caswell. Well, every time I head into Milo, I'm always looking for this person and he tends to either greet me at the door or he's in the back stand, but standing by all the heat. We got Corey McIntyre from Milo joining us in the studio today. Corey, welcome brother. Thanks man. Thanks for having me. I've, I've been wanting to have you on the show since gosh, probably midsummer at this point, but you're a busy man. You're all over the place right now. Trying to be trying to be and i've you know i've wanted to come into the alico since i moved into waco so this is my first time being in here too so oh, it's we're, cool. we're accomplishing the bucket list right now for you and me both <laughs> we're kicking them off man i love it <laughs> so you said you wanted to come into the alico when you first got here when did you first come to waco uh, i got here in 2015 um moved here from nashville tennessee nashville yeah, let's say the uh, lot, the, is that the foodie hotspot these days or is Austin kind of competing with it right now? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think both. I think, um, you know, Nashville being more Southern truly than oh, not ge- 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 geographically, but yeah, you're going to have a lot um, of Texans coming at you with their pitchforks. I know, right? <laughs> but uh, Nashville just being a little bit more of a Southern hotspot, I think that you have more of a lean that way. Um, and then Austin obviously being where it is. Um you probably find actually more Asian influences in Austin than you would in Nashville, but there's a, I mean, there's great food in both, both spots. Yeah. And I think culturally very similar cities as well. Live music, you got all the young professionals. What were you doing there in Nashville? Uh, I was cooking. I was working, working in restaurants and uh, what brought me to Nashville was actually working in uh, the music industry and the live music industry. Well, okay. You got a little playing background. What were you doing? I, I do play music. I never did it professionally, but um, I just do it for for me and for my dog and for my wife. <laughs> but um, I do. Uh, I did tour management specifically um, on the the food side of things, like organizing uh, meals and a lot of the country musicians like certain things. And really, any musician, they always have like a rider. So I'd either, either travel with them and make the food, or like make sure that it was ready to go to their specs. Is there anybody that we would recognize that you cooked for or um, worked oh, yeah. for in this instance? Uh, Allison Krauss. Uh, I don't. I don't know if you know who she is, but she. I'm nodding my head yes, but I'm going to research her after this. <laughs> uh, she's saying the song. Uh, she's famous for. Uh, probably the the song with Brad Paisley, mm. um, but then she also is, she's one of the most awarded uh, female artists of all time. But she's specifically she's a bluegrass player. Yeah, but she she has a, one of the most iconic voices you'll ever hear as well. Okay, is she um, competing with Dolly Parton. Uh, you know Dolly Dolly is iconic. You know historically Dolly's Dolly. Dolly's Dolly. Uh, Allison, I think you know depending on what circles you run in, she's definitely going to be. Uh, up there for people to be like, you know, she, her and Jerry Douglas, uh, they formed, um, 
Union Station, and mm. uh, so it was Allison Krauss and Union Station. Okay, and that was their band, and uh, they played very traditional uh, bluegrass music and some of the best musicians you'll ever hear. And if you ever saw the movie Oh Brother Where Art Thou, yes, they did all the music for that as well. Oh, okay. I've been trying to get my wife to show to watch that one. I, I, one of the greatest movies it. of all time. It is. Thank you. I, I'm glad you agree with me on that. It's actually a, such a fun one to watch. If, if you've ever had the drink two weeks from two weeks from everywhere at Milo, it's there are. Um, Peach uh, Bourbon Smash. Okay. That's two weeks from everywhere is a line from a brother or though. What part of the movie? It's where Take they, me back. they've they've just escaped prison. Okay. And they're they had spent the night out, out in the field. And um George Clooney's character goes into town to go to the general store. <laughs> to, go get his Dapper Dan. Get some Dapper Dan. Yes, exactly. Sir. So he's standing there at the counter. He walks up, he says, I'll take a can of Dapper Dan. And the guy behind the counter says, Well, we don't have Dapper Dan. He's like, We we have FOP. And then George Clooney's character goes, well, I don't, I don't want FOP, God damn it. I'm a, I'm a Dapper Dan man. He said, well, where's the closest town they could get it, you know, that I could get it from? He, and the guy behind the counter says, well, that's two weeks. Well, what if I ordered it? Well, that's two weeks too. And George Clooney steps back and he says, well, this place is geographical anomaly, two weeks from everywhere. Oh, and so that's where that's, it came from. Dude, that is so niche. I like that. I get deep when I start naming things. Yeah. Well, that movie's got so many good quotables uh, too. We thought you was a toad. <laughs> Do not seek the treasure. Do not seek the treasure. Dude, it's so good. Yeah, it's hard to. I do the quiet shaking laughter in that movie because it's just you want the lines to land and the people next to you. You're I like, know. you gotta hear this. Or like Papio Daniel, where he's like, when he says, uh, "We wanted a talent out here. We uh, we mass communicate, <laughs> mass communicating here for this, uh, dude." Just like uh, the whole movie is just like it's funny to me because, like. They used a lot of, I guess, Southern um, uh, cliches. Little, yeah, nuances. Nuances. For sure. They really dig into it and they like nail it. Yeah. And it just, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget. Like, I saw, I went to go see it at the theaters mm-hmm. in 2001. Oh, and man. I just remember dying laughing. Like, my aunt was, we were with my aunt. She was crying laughing. Because it's just, it's a hilarious movie if you get the joke. Yeah. I you, think there's some you gotta, people. You got to dig in a little bit for yeah. sure. Like, my wife, she's from Southern California. She watched it. She's like, it was good. I was like, what? It was good. It was good? Yeah. This that's is, like this saying good he's it nice. It's the I worst know. thing you can say. Or sure. It's like, hey, did you like that? Sure. sure. It was fine. It's yeah. Like, okay. Get out of here. Well, they pull out the phone and text in the middle of the movie and you're like, hey, hey, this is important. This is, yeah. Don't make popcorn. You got to see this part. I know. It ties it all together. <laughs> because you know, inevitably in 15, 20 minutes, you're going to get a question. Wait, who is that? Yeah. Well, they told us. I know I know as much as you do. Uh-huh. That's why I got to read at the very beginning of Star Wars, even Lord of the Rings, stuff like that. You got to pay attention. It, it, they lay it, they lay the story. They, they tell you where they're going, and then you just have to watch it unfold. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're diving in deep on movies, Sorry. which I uh, I would love to revamp the show and just go pure movies with you. So we're gonna we're gonna movies. earmark that for the next time because yeah. I think we can get a couple people in here that'll t- talk some movies up with you. You know, one of my I have this theory, and. Uh, I think that there are fans of cinema that probably only watch the things that are like 90% and above on Rotten Tomatoes mm-hmm. or Roddy T's. Is Roddy that T's. And um, I, I found that there's the sweet spot of movies is actually when you take the mean of the uh, critic score and the audience score. But specifically, if you find a movie that's like 35 to 45% on a um, on Roddy T's for a critic, it's going to be one of the best movies you've ever seen. Mm, like, give me an example. Uh, like Angelus, or not, not Angelus Fallen. What's the, uh, 
um, the, 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 not, not the white house down, but, um, <laughs> what's the name of that movie with Gerard Butler? Yeah. Uh, um, where he's like trying to save the president. Trying to save the president. It's like 45% on Rotten Tomatoes, but it's like an, like you can watch it over and over and over and over and over. Cause it's just, there's nothing to it. Yeah. There's nothing. You don't have to think. You don't have to think about it. It's just good. Yeah. And I think that those, those are some of the best movies you can watch. No, we need the, the deeper movies. We need the ones that are just leaving you hanging at the end of the movie. Like, uh, uh, shoot. Uh, what's the one where you're a dream within a dream? Oh, Inception. Inception, yeah, right? You can Inception. sit there and divide the audience right then and yeah. there. Hey, is he in a dream or is he not? Yeah. I feel like people just really dive into those. I love Inception. And I mean, anything Christopher Nolan is yeah. just great. I mean, makes Mem- his own props. Memento makes his own props. I-, I loved Oppenheimer. It was a lot of fun to watch. I haven't seen that one. I'm, I-, I really want to oh. see that. I'm a nerd about that stuff, but I'm if waiting. If it comes back out, in IMAX, which it, I'm, it probably will at some point. You must go watch it in IMAX. You just need the roar, the, you need the loud noises, the scale. Mm. You know, it's like the scale, of the, like the visual scale of it was. And obviously, he always has. Um, he, I mean, Hoyt Van Hoytema is his uh, cinematographer uh, that he works with the most, and he's he just the way that he captures images and like then the way that Chris Nolan splices it, puts it back together to like tell the story visually as much as it is like sonically is mm. just amazing. So are you more of a narration or I guess like, um, are you more visuals or are you like dialogue, man, that was just really well written? You know, I mean, comedy was obviously much more like you want the dialogue, mm-hmm. but um, I, I like a movie where it's, it's conveying something to you visually, mm. you know? And like, I think that that's where some people who are who are always on the side of uh, like oh the book was so much better or the movie was so much better than the book or whatever. But like I, I think that you know the movie like okay like the new uh, Hunger Games movie the song the um, Ballad of Songbird and Snakes yes obviously based on a book. I didn't love the movie for certain reasons, but not because it wasn't true to the source material. I liked it because I read the book, mm-hmm. saw it, and was like, okay, like visually they did it. Story-wise, I think that they could have, for the audience, maybe brought a couple more things across. But like visually they brought that world to life, which is always exciting to see. And to me, like they should be not viewed as one of the – or like A or B, but as like, like a, a, um, a pair. Like you use them together, you know? It's like both sides of the headphones. You got to hear, but you got to hear, have both sides to hear the full sonic range of it. To understand mm-hmm. like where the placement of the, of the instruments are, you know, and how it gets mixed. I feel the same way about books and movies. Like yeah. you, you got to do both. Got to do both. Yeah. Well, a lot of people are going to be, Hey, that takes too long. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not on like reading. I get bored. And for me, if I open up a book, it kind of turns into a screen and then my eyes just move. Same. And I, I just get kind of buried in it and lost in it for the next couple of hours. I feel the same way about what I do for a profession, cooking, oh. um, is that people don't like, I, I inevitably over the, especially it's, you know, we're recording this before Christmas. Yeah. And during between the holidays, people cook at home more than they do the entire rest of the year. And I feel like, a friend or a family member will reach out to me and they're like, Hey, how would you do this? I'm like, well, how would I do it? Or how should you do it? Mm. Cause how I would do it is going to take you way too long and you're going to get bored and you're going to hate it, but you can also do it this way. But I think that most people comment of like, Oh, I hate cooking or I hate having to do that because 
it's time. I mean, there's so much time involved with um, having to like read it, buy the buy the ingredients, and then prep it, and then and then start cooking it. You have to have all those different steps in order to like have something taste delicious. And, and the prep alone, I mean, buying and then laying it all out yeah. is half the battle, right? It really is, or or more. And uh, I mean, I, those are some of the same. Those are some of the same battles that I fight with my staff. You know, um, is making sure that the prep is right, making sure that they've spent the time to dice something the right way, or you know, the biscuit recipe. Uh, I was texting this morning about the biscuit recipe, and they're like, "What about this isn't isn't right?" It's like, well, it's very nuanced. You know, like there's little things that if you lean in this way or like you over mix it or under mix it or the butter's not cold enough the buttermilk's not cold enough the, the oven's not fully hot like all those little things like the easier something is the harder it is to execute and i feel the same way about and in a lot of ways i feel the same way about um just i, I think entertainment or like i guess art in general mm -hmm. it's like you know if you you want to fully understand something you kind of have to know like the beginning and the end you know, yeah. like, especially if you're just seeing like inception for the first time you're like well that was wild <laughs> but if you saw like memento and you saw dunkirk like dunkirk very little words it's all visual it's beautiful back to the christopher nolan thing we gotta we gotta give him his props <laughs> yeah. but christopher nolan and maybe you can find yourself in between a uh, movie and food and art in this are you more of a step-by-step -step color by the numbers or are you an alchemist i'm going to create something here that is going to be new that is going to excite people or i'm going to stay in the same lanes and people are comfortable and they know they're getting high class meal i think that at one point i think so 10 years ago if you would have asked me that question i wanted to be an alchemist but I wasn't good at it because I didn't know the paint by the numbers. I, you know, I didn't know the techniques and I didn't know, I guess 15 years ago, but I, I didn't know like how to have a playbook and how to have a set of skills that enabled me to be a proficient alchemist. Now I can go out there and do that. I can go out there and just be like, you know what? I'm going to throw caution to the wind and just like start creating something like, and that can happen because I know all the mother sauces and like all the di different butchering techniques and like how to saute something properly and like seasoning and brining and roasting and you know what all those little things like that you need to know in order to be a proficient i guess like fly by the seat of your pants like you can't be good at that in cooking if you don't know like what it all means mm -hmm. you know it's like and, and there's there are probably some people out there who who can do it I mean, I was listening to a podcast the other day with a Michael Stott from REM and he was like, he was talking about how he didn't even know that you could, whenever they, REM wrote their first record, he didn't realize that you could actually compose lyrics. He was like, oh, you can like, you can find the melody without just like writing words down and like singing it. And he's like, yeah, you can like compose it and find the melody and actually plan for what you're going to sing instead of just like doing it. He's like, oh my God, I never knew that. And this is coming from someone who like, wrote one of the most iconic albums of all time, like that, you know, in music, I think in film, you can like get, I guess, be innately, I guess, talented in that way. But I think with cooking, I think it's a little harder. I think you do have to have that background. Is that you getting hired and they're like, hey, go to the line, go prep. And then, hey, we're going to upgrade you to sous chef. 
and take that path or are you getting in the books? Are you kind of impressing people or using connections to, to make that path your own? Back in the day? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for me, it was more just like being honest with people. Be like, hey, I really want this job and here's why I want it. And know that I'm probably only going to be here for a year because I want to learn from you and I want to do this. I want to be really proficient at it, but then I want to go somewhere else and learn from somebody else. Um, I think that's necessary. And I think that, you know, the food world when I was, when I was starting out was very like gig economy, you know, where you kind of could bounce around like that. And there's good things and bad things. Like if you bounce around too much to your next employer, you're like, well, are you driven or are you just lazy and you got fired or whatever? Mm. But if you do it right, I think there's so much to learn from so many different people. And I think otherwise you're just like sitting in an echo chamber, you know, you're just doing the thing you've done for 10 years in the same place you've been doing it. You haven't learned anything new. And I think it's important to, you know, always stay hungry, <laughs> you know, but also <laughs> no pun intended, no pun intended, mm-hmm. but also I think in staying hungry, like staying hungry for information, hungry for like, like how should something taste and how should it evolve? And, and that's something I think about all the time with Milo in particular. Um, it's doing well now, but like, like how long, how old should a restaurant be? Should it be 10 years old? Should it be five years old? Like at what point does it run its course? Like, or are restaurants supposed to be something that are around that become these institutions? And if they are, what are they, what, like, why are they an institution? Are they a, a true gathering place? Do they give to the community? Do they, do they provide a space that like no one else is providing? And if you're not doing that, then how can you pivot to be that? Because that's the only way that you can really, in my opinion, like have true life. Like Georges has a, an immense history and th- they have tenure and they are the go-to spot for so many people that they want something reliable. They know what it's going to be like. They know they're going to see somebody that they know. They know that they can go there and watch the Cowboys game and like have camaraderie. And that's so powerful. And like Georges provides such a balance to the community in the restaurant, in the restaurant world and as a gathering place, if, if anything. You know, just a place you can go where you, you can see a buddy um, and, like, have a reliable experience. Um, I I think that, for me, it hasn't always been about, like, the reliable experience. I want to, like, kind of be that alchemist. Be like, you like that? Well, it's gone, and we're doing something new, and I hope you like this, <laughs> Check too. out the new menu. Yeah. It's not even seasonal. It's weekly. Come on back. <laughs> I mean, in, in my perfect world, my hyperbaric chamber that I live in and, like, my own you know, pie in the sky. That's what it is. It's every day scratching everything off the menu and starting fresh. And, but that's just, it's too much. Like it's fun for a time, but also like, you know, I mean, Milo is like its own little bitty economy. If we've got 50 something people working there, that's like 50 individual families relying on us to have consistent income and for the, for, for them to have a consistent income, which means for me to make consistent decisions, which means like me not playing to that alchemy side, but more of like, like got to be in the books, got to be studious, got to make sure that I'm making the right decisions so that these 50 families like don't have to go and then up in their life and go find something else. Hmm. And that's, that's powerful too. So it's like, it is that balance. It's like, you know, I mean, I feel like I'm always having a conversation about, um, what's the next thing you're going to do or like, what are you working on? Or like, 
as I, no offense to realtors, but like, hey, we have this new property up. Would you like to come take a look at it? May open, opening a space? It's like, yeah, absolutely, a thousand percent. But like, how well are we going to be able to do it? But at some point, you have to start thinking about that. You have to start thinking about like a, a true growth model to have and be able to upgrade or not upgrade, but um, progress people to like leadership levels and like maybe someone that's working for me right now has a great idea. And it's like, okay, cool. Let's partner in together and let's go open this thing. And so I think you're, you always have to like, in my opinion, like, yeah, it's a little bit of both. You're kind of diving into this, uh, you know, you want to be creative and you want to cook food, but then you have to be a leader and you have to like do both and you have to help people progress and that innately helps you progress. And that's how, I continue to, I said a lot of words to ultimately say that's how my planned approach to continuing to be and have creative outlets is kind of foster that within a Milo system and then bump it out to other places. Yeah. Satellite. It, it shows that every time we go in there, we're seeing the same faces from your managers to, you know, some of the guys in the back or your bartenders and that culture isn't grown overnight. How did you create that retention? Because you've talked about it. Everybody in the food business, I mean, you do your year and you move on, right? A lot of those guys are just buying, you know, cigarettes after the work with yeah. all the money that they just made. But these guys are sticking around and, and investing in the community and they've made friends and they're here to stay. What have you done from a leadership standpoint to create that environment? I think that there's two approaches. I think... Um, <laughs> I mean, you can probably talk to people who've worked at Milo and either left and or been let go, and they probably would feel like, well, they can't do it without me. It's like that's not the that's not the mentality we want. Like Milo would exist without me. Like I've made sure of that. And it's not any one person, it's it's a, it's the cohesive group. And I think that ultimately it's like finding where to meet people where they are. Like Okay, Trevor, you come in, you want to you want a serving job at Milo, you're working there for the first month, probably not talking to you all that much. I'm like, hey Trevor, good to see you. Like, good service. Okay, great, man. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I'll go about my way. You're there for two, three, four, five, six months. It's like, hey man, so like what are your goals? It's like if I if you say, Oh, you know, like I just I needed some extra money because I'm putting myself through grad school. It's like, oh, cool. Well, like, what are you pursuing? Oh, I want to be a therapist. I don't know. And you're doing that. I'm probably not going to like dig into it. It's like, oh, cool. You have a focus. You have a thing you want to do. But if you're a little on the on the edge of like, I don't know, man. I just like, I needed something that was available and ready to go. And like, I like this. I like, uh, you know, this interests me or whatever. It's like, and then, you know, well, what part of it interests you is like, Oh, well, I'm, I have a, I have a marketing degree and, you know, I hear people like I have a marketing degree or I've always wanted to be a, be a bartender. I was like, well, why are you being a server? It's like, let's get, let's get you in the bar. Like, let's get you creating and thinking through this or like, you love marketing. Well, you, would you want to sit in with us next time we have a marketing meeting with my, with the firm that we work with? And maybe just, I can give you the Milo phone and capture TikTok stuff or whatever. Yeah. It's like finding a way to engage with people that I guess finding a way to engage with people that not only helps them again, progress where, what they're interested in, but show that like not, and not just from like a showy standpoint, but just showing them like, 
we care and we want to talk to you and we want you to be, uh, we you know, obviously want them to be the most of that, that, that they can be of that, um, whatever the field is in the, that they're interested in. I mean, even the cooks like that have been worked in kitchens for longer than I have 20 years, 25 years, 30 years. It's like always staying and be willing to learn something different. I think that, um, I think they appreciate that too. It's like sitting down teaching them like, this is why I approach this this way. Um, but I think also from a, just a very practical standpoint, like offering healthcare benefits and flexible schedules and making sure that like they have competitive pay and always staying up with like, what are the restaurant, new restaurants coming to the market? They automatically overpay people and then they let them go. Mm. And making sure we don't do that. You know, making sure that we're, we're already there, you know, figuring out a way to make the tip pool work and figuring out a way to like make big events work so that we're engaging the employees to that have been there for two years to like make more on those, those certain nights and, you know, doing awesome Christmas parties. And <laughs> now, I mean, Christmas parties are fun, but like practically doing things that like really enrich their life, which is putting more money in their pocket and helping them learn to take care of themselves, which is like with health, healthcare benefits. Yeah. Well, you're locking, you're locking arms with them. Like they're seeing you lead the charge, but you're also staying and caring about their personal interests. Yeah. You know, a lot of these owners are just trying to fight to stay above the water. And frankly, you're, it seems from the outside looking in that you are now at a point to where you can get more comfortable and start reaching out and helping other business as well. Now you've started Milo as the Milo biscuit company. Mm -hmm. Was that sole proprietorship? Was that just you? Uh, no, that was uh that was a partnership. So Blake Batson and I started that together and we started as a food truck and, t and a tent at the farmer's market back when it was by the river, the OG, OG, the OG. Yeah. hopefully get it back there. Oh, it was the best like down there, but the best part about it was that it was always shaded. You got that little slight, slight breeze off, off the water. That's mm. great. Um, Old, old Waco. Old Waco. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, glad you can say old Waco because I'm, I've got here when everything was popping. Yeah. I mean, me kind of too. I mean, I mean, I've only been here for eight years or no, nine years almost. Wow. Yeah, there's some gray in that uh, mustache over there. A hundred percent. There's more gray in the chin part of it, honestly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I already don't have any hair. So hey, I like the balance. You got to keep the beard. And now Blake, uh, we can't compete with that guy. Best hair in Waco. He's him and his I wife, know. the Wacoans of the year. They yeah. earned it. They really did. Now he says this about you and I was oh, reading no. this last night as I do my prep work. <clears throat> He's one of my best friends in the world, like a brother to me. I'm proud of him. Milo has been the hardest thing I've been a part of the size of it, the risk of it. It almost killed me. And I'm so proud of it. Blake said, anytime you want to go somewhere to have a special moment, you bring them to Milo. Why is your best friend saying that that was one of the most stressful times in his life? Well, I mean, I think for, for both of us, I mean, it was, you know, the food truck is low risk. The doing catering's low risk. You already know what you're getting into. We got 200 people to feed. We have a certain budget, whatever, do that. Um, the 10 at the farmer's market, low risk. Um, I mean, even for what, you know, I think for the beginning stages of what Blake did with Common Grounds, it's like he bought an existing business. And this was like our, both of our first times to like, start something new. I mean, he's he sort of heritage creamery, don't get me wrong, but like full service restaurant for both of us at the same time was a lot. And, um, to Waco's credit, they were very hungry for something new. 
in something different, which is what we were trying to bring. You know, we, we just like weren't ready for it. We weren't ready for the amount of cash we needed to cash flow the business, which, you know, those entrepreneurs out there listening, you got to have a lot of cash to cash flow the business. Just cash coming in doesn't mean anything. If you're not starting with a lot of cash, then you got to be like super lean. You might not be able to actually function the way you want to because of how lean you have to be, which is where we were. We were in that balance that we didn't have, you know, we did this build out, cost more, a little bit more than we wanted to. Always. Always. So it left us with less money in the bank. I think when we opened, we had like $10,000 in the bank, which was just not <laughs> That's enough. not even a rainy day fund. That's not even close. That's not even a rainy hour fund. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, or it might be a rainy day fund. Okay. May- maybe. In Waco, in Austin or Dallas, you're, you're torched on a you're bad torched. day. Yeah. So, yeah, we had like 10K in the bank and we were doing, you know, 50, 60K a week. And so with our prime cost at 65%, 70, because we weren't really controlling costs that well, you know, 70% was going out the door plus overhead, plus, you know, everything else, plus still paying off a little bit of the build out. We just like didn't have enough. And we're like poor decision-making in the beginning of like having too much wine, wine inventory, which we didn't need to have to having too much liquor inventory, which we didn't need having too high salaries, which we didn't need all those little things like that. You know, I thought it was the right thing to do to, for me to like take a super low basic salary, have everyone else at a higher salary. And we just like, didn't need that level of, of oversight at the beginning. And, you know, if we would have had a better approach, we might've been able to float all that, but we just didn't. And so I think that we just kind of got into a bind where it just snowballed. Like having that 10,000 have to extend itself, have to make it 110,000. We just like weren't able to do that fast enough. So with just with the way that cash flow works and the way that we have to pay out things. I mean, so many of our vendors are COD or, you know, we had, you know, it's just like a whole thing. COD, describe that for uh, me. Cash on delivery. Cash on delivery. So you're just paying out right then and there yeah. and hoping that you have it. Yeah. Because with a lot of vendors, you have to work up to having terms. And so being a brand new big restaurant, they were like, COD, man, this mm-hmm. is how we're rolling. Yeah. We got to um, gain your trust. You got to gain your trust. Yeah. And so, I mean, it was incredibly difficult. We have so many, lo- like tons and tons of hard conversations every week in a meeting. And it was, uh, it was a lot, but I think that it, it culminated in the best thing that could ever happened to us, the pandemic. <laughs> the pandemic actually. You guys are schemers over there, man. I didn't well, know y'all were over there brewing it up over in Milo. We 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 actually made what COVID-19 a rescue plan over there at yeah. Milo. We cooked it up in the back. Okay, some hot chicken tacos and just yeah, slide just it in. Let it go out there. Yeah, this was now going to get tagged on Spotify, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to keep rolling with it. Um, yeah, you can delete that. No, we're this we're is wrong. Um, but you know, I think COVID for us, like okay, like you you find the bottom of the barrel, and then you find the bottom of the bottom of the barrel. Mm. And the bottom of the barrel, you have two options. You have either reject or you push back and you climb to the top. And I, we had gone through so much to get the, to get the place open, to get us to us, to seeing solvency and seeing a return and seeing, um, and, and being in the, in, in the, in the, is it the red, the black, the black? Yeah. <laughs> Which is the green in 2023, by the way, y'all, if you're struggling, being in the black is okay. You yeah. live to fight another day. Yeah. You live to fight another day. 
And I, I was like, if if we went through all of this, it's kind of somewhat self-imposed. We went through all of this as a business. We like climbed our way back up. We paid off all of our old debts, all this other stuff. I was like, I'll be damned if I'm going to let this shut down and this disease, whatever it is, whatever it may be, be the end of this, this thing. We're going to relaunch. We're going to be a Phoenix, you know, like that's what, that was my goal is like, we're going to get to, we're going to, to, to survive this. Um, and so I think with that building back in strength was like the most important thing we could do and, um, slowly reopening, you know, like, yes, the government was saying like, you can have 25%, you can have 35%. Well, 35%, you know, there's all those little things, but not just, not just what the regulations were on the occupancy that we could have, but truly opening back up, like, okay, what's our projection? Our projection this week is $10,000. Okay. Well, we know that we can spend, I don't know, call it $3,000 on food or $2,500 on food, $2,500 on staff. Okay. Well, what, what staff can we hire for $2,500 for this week? This staff. Okay, great. That's all we can have in. That way we had 25% cost of goods, 25% cost of, of, um, employment or, you know, uh, labor cost. So, um, you're fine tooth combing through it. I mean that you almost, it almost breaks it down to an elementary level of how to run your business slows you down. It did. It totally slowed you down and we had to do that. And I felt like that was the only way to actually approach opening back up and be able to survive this thing. And then letting that mentality of being that nuanced, just inform everything else. Like, you know, at the time before the pandemic, I was still trying to be that alchemist and push the envelope and push like <laughs> we had these um, fried puffer fish tails with um, fried puffer fish tails with uh, this like grabiche, which is a uh, mayonnaise made with hard boiled eggs. And then um, uh, some uh, smoked salmon roe. Like no one wanted that. It was too expensive. I'm it sounds, sounds delicious. It yeah. was delicious. I mean, chef's table, bring it. But like the everyday person that like ultimately what, what I was hearing, what the feedback I was getting from the, from the, 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 the people of Waco and the people who were visiting was like, make this an everyday place. Mm. Um, someone sent me like an anonymous email or a note or sometime. Uh, just, <laughs> they were just love like, those? I'll do a lot of them. Yeah. And it was just like, make the burger $15 and serve it with fries. I was like, Okay, that's what I th that's what I have to do. I have to like make the burger fifteen dollars and serve it with fries because that's what Waco needs, and that's cool because I want Milo. At one time, I wanted Milo to be on the forefront of of like pushing it as hard as we could culinarily. Now, like I was saying, those fifty families, my family, like I want those people to survive. I want, I want those fifty people and those fifty families to thrive. So I have to make informed decisions to ensure that I can take care of them. So I got to make Milo into the neighborhood restaurant that it probably always needed to have been. I was, I was fighting it as a leader and as I, and I'll be the first one to admit that I was fighting it so hard. I thought it needed to be this other thing when it's just like really didn't need to be that thing. And so now you come in, you see a little bit more of a stable menu, you see a stable cast of characters in there. Um, and we've leveraged our specials and now we change the menu. We update the menu. We say only four times a year. And it's just like moving out seasonal things, like keeping the pork chop, but like changing the set, the set in a restaurant in restaurant lingo is the sauce and accompaniments that come with it. So like 
you know, you go to some restaurants, you can like get the pork chop. Like, oh, I'll take a pork chop. I'll take a baked potato and a side salad with that. That's not a set. Those are sides. What we're doing is we're making composed dishes. So the composition of the dish minus the protein is the set. So right now the set at Milo for the pork chop is, um, it's a cold smoke. So we cold smoke the, the pork chop and then we grill it. So it gives you that smoke flavor without like grilling it over open coals. And we serve it with a sweet potato mole and a corn relish, uh, like a charred corn relish uh, or pico, charred corn, corn pico. Um, so that is the set of the pork chop. So now we just change up the set every season. You know, sweet potatoes are like kind of coming in, kind of going out. So we're going to move it to romesco. We're, pepper, we're about to go into big pepper season. So we're going to do romesco with this like... Um, we're getting these really beautiful greens from uh, World Hunger Farm uh, up in Elmont. Okay. You're, and, uh, and you're local with all this stuff, right? Yeah. And uh, we're getting these really beautiful greens that it's a mixture of um, mizuna and some uh, really bitter uh, arugula, some uh, mustard frills, some purple angry mustard frills. And so it's like you've got all these bitter, sharp herbs that we dress with this uh, um, lemony vinaigrette. So like that acid cuts through the, the bitterness and it like makes it tastes richer than it really is, but, um, serving it with that. So just like letting it evolve with the seasons. Now you have a painting art mind. Are you plating these things, looking at them and saying, yes, this is beautiful staff. Come look at it, take a picture, serve it like this. How does mm -hmm. that work? Yeah. So that's what I've been doing this basically this whole week, um, is go in, cook the dishes, plate them up three or four different ways. Cause some of it is like how, like, you have to like walk the line of like, is it beautiful? Okay, this one's beautiful, but it's at volume impossible. Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> got to pull out the tweezers to yeah. set the flower we're, on top. I know we're never gonna get there. Come on, baby, give and, me that Michelin star quality. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, where the food comes out to you cold. Yeah, um, uh, or warm, lukewarm, lukewarm because of the heat lamp. Um, yeah, so you got that one that's like, this is awesome. Business line, and we're never going to get there. Yeah, take a picture real quick. Put it on exactly. The and then you've got the one that um, looks beautiful, looks beautiful, but eats really well. So, like every bite, you get all the accompaniments that go with it. That's the one you want. Is the one that like looks nice, composed, but every you don't have to struggle to like. Okay, we're going to go over here and dip this sauce in here and there. You know, it's like not all that. It's just cut it. If I'm having, if we're sitting at dinner and I'm just like eating it and I'm talking. I'm going to taste it the way that it was intended to taste, which that's the, that's the driving factor of like how we play things. It's just like you go in there blind, you come out with a tasty bite. What, so what's your number one item that you think of when you talk about that? Um, you know, I think for brunch, I'd probably say like the farmer's daughter. Um, uh, I think that one's nice and composed, uh, which is a sweet potato hash with squash, salsa verde, charred Brussels sprouts and two eggs and then some pickled onions on the side. You walk away feeling very healthy after that one. Oh, I'll, yeah. uh, I'll do that after a, a rough Saturday night. We're going to follow up with that Sunday brunch and oh, yeah. eat healthy. Absolutely. Maybe throw some like chicken sausage in there. I throw a uh, syrup on it. Well, you put syrup on the farmer's dog? I do. Really? Yeah. I put syrup on everything. No way. Yeah. Well, we have good it's maple like Vince syrup. Vaughn from Wedding Crashers. Oh, yeah. Put a little bit in your hair. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. Got to mix it up. Um, and then I think the redfish with Penang curry and black rice. Um, it's actually purple rice right now. Um, I think that one's really composed. And because, like, you can just cut the fish, flake it off, and just drag it through the rice and the sauce, and it's like all there. 
Uh, I also think the, the, the pork chop is that way as well. Mm. Um, and then the chop salad, the Southern chop salad. It's really tasty. It's got all the just, it's like, it's like a kitchen sink salad. It's got everything. <laughs> Throw in everything in there. Yeah, dude. That's how you got to do it. You got to do chop, that, chop that explosion of herbs. Yeah. Lots of herbs, some purple whole peas, some pickled shishitos, pickled peppers, and then lots of, uh, local, um, salami that's cured at the Salumaria down in Austin. So you, you, you're alluding to Elmont, Austin, local guys that you're paying cash early on in these days, but at this point, and still you, paying cash, still though. paying cash. So that's what I'm interested in. So you have relationships with people around town, you as the chef, what is your typical day looking like? Are you driving out to those places? Are you meeting with those folks? So in the early days, yeah, I would drive out there and hang out with them all day long. I don't get to do that as much. Um, so Sam Lash owns a company called Farm to Table and he, uh, he does all of that sourcing for uh, so many restaurants in, in Texas and they they're based out of Austin. But then occasionally like, you know, Sam is so passionate about buying local food and keeping it seasonal. He's, he'll text me. He's like, Hey dude, do you have two hours on Thursday? You got to come down. You got to taste this like water, Buffalo mozzarella. I'm like, all right, dude. And so let's do it. Let's like, whatever. Bait. <laughs> Bait. Yeah. He's just baiting you, man. He's he really get you is. In there. <laughs> so like he does a lot of that for us, uh, now. And he does, like I said, he does it for a ton of restaurants too. Um, but he always keeps us up to date of like, what's going on. Or like, I'll text him like, Hey, is there, what's, what are you super excited about? He'll tell me, I'm like, cool. I want to bring it in. Um, and then whenever I, whenever I do have time, mainly in the summertime, I have, I feel like I have a lot more like freedom to go and like just roam. Um, I'll call Sam like, Hey dude, I would love to go to the Sula Maria, see how, see how they do everything and taste a bunch of, uh, delicious cured meats or, um, run up to Elmont to like, uh, world hunger farm and just walk the, walk the fields with them and see what they have going on. Or, um, there's also uh Glenn Lawhon who he, uh, sells us a lot of squash, go to his farm and, uh, see the squash, hear him bitch about all the deer that are eating his okra. Mm. Alerting the hunters out there. Head on out to his farm. Go help him out. Oh well, he's doing it himself. He'll sit there with his. He'll sit there with his rifle on his back porch and just like pick one off. Pick it off, dude. Especially you'll, if they get, get some after summer his peaches. Sausage on your front porch. Absolutely. You yeah. If those deers get after his peaches, he's he's out. Dude. He's an anger man. He's like, all right, dude. We're we're, we're getting the shotgun out now. And you got to do what you got to do. What's your favorite part of the day? <sighs> you know, you and I talked so. Trevor and I both work out at yeah, train. Besides lifting, because you're looking really fit over there. Well, I'm trying. I'm, I'm just. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to track you down, man. That's also what I'm trying to do. <laughs> I'm the peer pressure guy that comes and says hi to you every day. I so love just it. keep it up. I, I and I appreciate it, man. It, it it helps. It's like I appreciate the like keep it up. Other than like, <laughs> you're looking so good. It's like, well, what that implies I looked yeah. like shit earlier. Mm, so I was looking at your calves and just. We, Got too excited about it. <laughs> I know, but I, I mean, I love, I love the, I love the, I love the, the gym is like so motivating it, for the, for the right reasons. It's like the people who aren't staring at themselves in the mirror is one thing. Yeah. But uh, the people bros, pay attention to that. But like you who like you or, um, I mean, yeah, the other Chase, uh, Makeda, who we both know, like people who are, um, or Matt, like Matt Pepley, coach Matt, um, there or AC at the at train, like they'll always say something that's very encouraging and motivating. And like, we all need to hear that. Like as men, we pretend like we don't, but like, man, we need to hear like all this stuff that I go through to like feel better 
perform and like push myself to do like it's like working like that's that's super impactful so i do love my time at the gym of just like blair and taylor swift and just like you know lifting um but i think one of the things that you know you, you and i talked about the other day was a huberman and uh he was making these suggestions about the importance of morning light and how important getting morning sun on your face and like against the back of your eyelids are and that was like maybe what, that was like a two months ago that episode was yeah it's it's one of his platforms he's pushed this year in general because of the research he's done and all yeah. the positive experience he's gotten feedback on. And, and, uh, so I started doing that, like walking my dog and just kind of like, and I told my wife, I was like, some of our neighbors may think I'm insane because I'll just like stand on the front and just like, look at the sun holding our dog while he like is using the restroom. I'll do it for 20 minutes. But like that time of just like being intentional, listening to nothing, doing nothing and just like letting the, the, letting the sun like hit your face and just like thinking about your day and being intentional about it. Those are some of my most like impactful moments of like thinking through the things I want to tackle, choosing what I'm not going to tackle and just letting like text message or emails or phone calls go unresponded to until I can truly like be mindful about it. And um, yeah, just taking time to time block. I found, um, just so over the past like two years of like learning to be disciplined, I, I realized like I was so disciplined in being the best chef. I, I want to be like, oh, he's so good. I want to know everything. I want to be able to cook faster and better than anyone. I want to be able to be more like spontaneously creative than everybody. And it like got me nowhere because I was completely undisciplined in everything else that I would do. I would stay up till like two or three o'clock in the morning drinking or like eat like shit and like drive through like in and out. Oh, that's so super delicious. I and mean, just like, eat Mexican food four or five times a week, which is like some people can do that. I can't, I couldn't do that. It was like really eating me alive. And I was like completely undisciplined and like learning to be disciplined and like approach life in a more pragmatic way. I'm just like stepping back and saying, I'm going to wake up this morning and I'm going to look at the sun with my eyes closed and then think about how I should approach today and be intentional about that. Like today, I'm just going to go around to the restaurants and the, the businesses that I've invested in or like opened and just ask people how they're doing. Like, Hey, Trevor, how are you doing today? What's bothering you? You were cheerful the other day when you're at work and was it, is everything okay? And then like, learn like what, what's going on. It's like, Oh man, like, I'm really sorry. That's happening. That's really tough. Like I wish that, I, you know, have empathy for people like, and be able to just listen and, and just tell someone else like, Hey, I see you. I'm here for you. If there's anything I can do, I would love to do it. You know, like that's the role that I need to occupy. Not the greatest chef, not the best business owner, not the best person at like spreadsheets or whatever, or the most consistent on emails or text messages, which Trevor knows I'm pretty bad at. <laughs> but like someone who as, as a fellow entrepreneur and self-employed person, we have a little bit more flexibility than most people do. And with that flexibility, how can I use it for good? Well, I can just check on people. <laughs> that one thing is huge. And I think that I wish I would have found that a lot earlier in my life and I didn't. But now that I have, I feel like I have to use it. Yeah, you can timestamp it and, and see, you know, one of the best advice I've ever received was be where your feet are. Because I think 
10 minutes ahead. I think about what questions I'm going to ask in 20 minutes with Corey instead of, Hey, be where your feet are, be in the moment, look at the sun, be thankful, and then go inspire that same feeling that you have and and out of other people. Cause if everybody feels really, really, really good, I think your culture, your restaurants, your businesses, it's going to thrive because that's, that's how it's meant to be. That's Mm -hmm. how it's created. And you discovering that here at age four, Thirty-eight. Thirty-eight. Okay. Almost forty. Hey, the, on this side of forty, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's one of those things that you're gonna have that prolonged life and prolonged happiness that a lot of people are gonna spend the rest of their lives looking for. So I think that's that's huge, man. Oh yeah. I mean, and it's I think my uh my wife was a huge piece of that, of like learning to approach because she was a college athlete. She's about to graduate from Baylor Law School. She has to be disciplined. And you know, I couldn't, I, and for many, 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 many other reasons, I couldn't keep going down the road I was going down. And um, she helped me see like how important it was to be mindful of that and like knowing what you're going to do the next day and how you're going to approach it and planning for it, like going to bed early and like eating well and like sleeping well and like my skincare routine, like washing my face. <laughs> got to keep that head, you know, out of the oh, sun too. Man. It's well, all my skincare. Well, so I got, yeah, I've, Some I, real I, estate I have my there. lotion and I've got my, my SPF lotion that I put on, you know. Do you shine it? Does I she like shine. you with a shiny head? Or? I don't know how, I don't know how people shine it, honestly. Like, okay, Dave Aranda. I've asked Dave Aranda this question before and he won't answer me. I think he's doing something. He doesn't answer anybody's questions. I honestly, I've asked him point <laughs> blank a to a great his face. business tactic. By I'm the like, way. dude, I love that. He, he's a, he's a mystery and I love it. He's, he's an Oak, but he has such a shiny head. And like, I, sh- I, I like shave my head. I, I get, I like all the right. Oh, sorry. All the, I was like, <laughs> I was motioning. This and is I good. We get. got the video too. So yeah. it works perfect. But like I was shaving my, like I shave in the right direction of the hair and then I could come back and I do a little cleanser thing, but it's just like not shiny. Mm. But his is so shiny. Anyways, you, I, you got to go shine. to a bowling alley, stick your head down, and let them do that thing right there. <laughs> yep, that reminds me of the Big Lebowski. Yeah, Big Lebowski, exactly. Um, or go to Monument and let Nick hook you up, dude. Nick is he's a he's a masterful. He he taught me everything I know about shaving my head the right way. Really, he did. Even though his hair touches the back of his, uh, I would say his lower back at this point. Yep, <clears throat> probably lower back. Yeah, he taught me everything I know. That's crazy. And I mean, I I went out and bought all the things he told me to buy. Got all the right products and everything because you know, shaving your head is different than like just like going and get it. You, I have to do this every day or every really every 36 hours or it breaks out. Hmm. So that's another component to it. And so it's like you got to do you just have to you have to keep up with it. Yeah. The maintenance is high. Yeah. I've been wanting to get Nick more towards the downtown. I love the spot he's at. Monument's fantastic, by the way. But if he was at the Herringbone. And let's talk about this a little mm. bit because there's nobody who knows more about the herringbone than you oh. and all the guys around the world that you're partnering with. Give us a little, a little sneak peek of what we're, we're going to um, see here in the future. Yeah. So um, we're bringing uh, it's a mixed use development altogether. I mean, I think that's the most easiest way to surmise it, but 21 room boutique hotel with three restaurant outlets and then retail spaces there as well. So the restaurant we're doing is called Red Herring, and it's influenced by coastal Mediterranean uh, cooking and um, the simplicity of that type of food. Um, 
I think that, you know, again, I used to be super in, like thinking that oh, molecular gastronomy is the way and putting agar, agar on everything. And, um, but that, you know, it's fun to do that stuff, but, um, I want red herring to be, cause I think the, the ultimate like steakhouses are really fun and they're like unapproachable because like they don't do enough education. And some people want just like enough education to where like, they feel like, okay, there's words on here. I know. And I don't have to be scared of them. Eric Overe. <laughs> Eric Overe. Everybody whiffs on that one. I know. And they're like, I don't Hericot? want any of those haircuts. Um, <laughs> but uh, red herring is going to be, it's going to be a step up from what Milo is. And I think it's going to be a step up from what most of the restaurants in town are. But we want to remain approachable. And so that's the that's the foundational piece of it is that it will be hard. That's that's our that's our tension right now. Is in the next three months, can we facilitate this restaurant to offer the things we're going to offer at the price what we need to at the price what we need to for the community and for the business, and then also is it going to make sense to people? So that's the big that's the big struggle. Um, Especially but, in McLennan County, I yeah, mean, you're going to be. Blowing people's minds with some of this stuff. It's gonna be cool. So we've got a wood fire grill in there. That we, every, all the meats will be cooked over. Um, we're gonna have a um, a pretty big pasta program. So the main 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 foundations are whole grilled proteins and pasta. Mm. And so like, I'm in. When you say whole green whole grilled proteins, it's like, what does that mean? It's like a literal whole chicken, whole fish, big hunks of meat, and. Um, also a raw bar component. So we'll be doing uh, oysters. Uh, we'll be doing... Uh, Please say the S word. You got any sushi coming? Uh, I mean, sushi-ish. Ish, okay. Yeah. Like we'll do some tartars. We'll do some... Uh, but not like any formal sushi. <sighs> My Waco is going to remain a food desert in the sushi category. <laughs> well, I mean, at the same time, it's like it's hard to fit that into the coastal Mediterranean. <laughs> Well, like, where'd you catch this? You just imported it from Japan over here. Yeah. Jeez. But I, we are planning to do like sushi happy hour things. Okay. So like we'll have some of those things. Like we're we're gonna do a take on have you ever had the crispy tuna? Like crispy you know, where they like they take the the little they take the sushi rice, form it into like a little brick and then mm -hmm. fry that. Yeah. We'll do we're gonna do that. Okay. Is that sashimi kind of style or um uh, I, I, don't, I don't know it's I don't know the formal name of mm -hmm. it, but um we're gonna do that because like sushi Sushi to me is just, it's a different art than just like shucking oysters and building plateaus. You know, like you, to be a sushi master, a sushi chef, like you've, you've done this for multiple, multiple, multiple years. This is not just like making a roll and doing it like that. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a real art. It's complicated. And, um, it's not something that I've, I feel proficient at. Mm. Um, but if I ever come across a chef that is, we'll partner up and we'll open a sushi restaurant. It's like 20 seats and just crush it. Dude, that would, that's one of my dreams. And you're the kind of guy that I always approach with random stuff like this. Cause I'm a dreamer of my wife. She brings my feedback to the ground and says, Hey, here's where reality is. Let's work towards that. But Hey, you know, be present again. <laughs> yeah. Every time you're it sounds like you're, you're just growing your influence in Waco. Um, you guys recently just purchased, um, nightlight donuts. Yeah, we did. And the term restrateer comes to mind when I say Corey, when I say Blake Batson, is, does that ring true for you? Do you like that term restrateer and start building a brand that you can grow? Um, 
You know, sometimes, as you know, as an entrepreneur, you just kind of fall into things. And sometimes I feel that way. It's like, well, I just kind of fell into this. Like I didn't, like Nightlight, I didn't start. Guest Family Barbecue, I didn't start. Milo and Red Herring, I did. Um, and then we'll see what's after that. And Is I think, there anything else on that list, by the way? I want to make sure everybody knows that, hey, when I'm in these places, Corey um, does have a little bit of influence in. Um, no, has, has it affected so. Them? Okay. No. So Guest Family Barbecue, Nightlight. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, Red Herring. Uh, well, so the other places at Herringbone are Red Herring, Lucky Buck, and then um, Songbird. Lucky Buck and Songbird. Where yeah, so, so Lucky Buck, you can see it's the top. That's uh, the where that white roof is over there. Yes. It's the um, it's the rooftop bar. Rooftop gonna, bar, people, please pay attention to that because we don't have enough of those in Waco. Yeah. Oh, it's it's going to be the spot. It's honestly one of the best. I mean, look how big that thing is. It's huge. Yeah. And you can look up to here to the Alico. Yeah. And we'll have, uh, we're going to do some gourmet hot dogs over there. Gourmet hot dogs. A little Glizzy Fest. It's going to be Glizzy Fest. Uh, we're going to have Glizzy Fest 2024. The boys at one day are going to be very, very They're happy about that. So happy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll be doing some uh, gourmet hot, hotties over there. And then um, uh, we'll also, it'll mainly be like a beer bar and sports bar kind of vibe. But like, it'll be like, it's pretty classy. It's hard to, some of these things I think are hard to talk about because you until you see it in person, it's it's like, I don't know. We, we've, we've mashed a lot of things together. It's a concept. It's a new concept. Cause before I used to call that Lego land, you drove by, you're like, what, what happened? hell is this? Yeah. Who, yeah. who took acid? Someone, someone got fired on this day. Somebody got fired on this thing. Yeah. And that's for, for a growing city to see a block or to see a building that is just not under renovation is not under construction. It's, it's kind of sad because you want to have that growth mentality towards Waco. And I think we're in that trajectory. Yeah. Do you, do you think we're in that upward trajectory of chefs are wanting to come in here and, and start new stuff? I mean, I, dude, I, okay. Today I was like, one of the things I was thinking about this morning, like walking through and having my morning routine was like, are we opening too many things at once? I literally, I legitimately thought about that. Cause I was like, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't think I'm in the analytics enough to say like, yes or no. But I think you, you said it, a food desert. There are, I mean, Waco, can be at times a food desert. Yeah, Waco Drive. Waco Drive, yeah. And so do, I guess, do we need more restaurants or what do we need? We don't need more Bubba's 33s. We don't need any any of that. Mm -mm. But we do need like, we need, I think, more gathering places that are like serving good, like good food, intentional food. And that's that's all we want to do. I mean, I I would love to open a Mexican restaurant and just serve really good Mexican food because that's what I always crave. It's just like delicious like authentic Mexican food. What's an example of that from where you're from, Georgia or um, Nashville? Well, I mean, none, none there. None there. <laughs> I mean, zero. Like actually <laughs> me and my, my brother and I were talking uh, about my family whenever they came to Texas. One of the things that they said was like, well, Corey took us to a Texas place. It's not any better than it is here. I'm like, well, that's just not true. Mm, yeah. Like borderline. Like, a little salty over there. I am a little salty about it. Yeah. Texas Mexican food is delicious. Yeah. Um, I think from where my wife is from in Southern California, they have they have better Mexican food than Texas. Ooh, got to tell El you. Tiempo in Houston started El raising their eyebrows on that one. El Tiempo is very good. Uh, Suerte in Austin's Suerte. amazing. Oh, dude. Um, that that taco, yeah, made on the Taco Chronicles. It's so good. Um, and so I think that you know, there's there's places we've been to, like even in. Uh, New Mexico and Santa Fe, the Den. If you've ever been to the, the, sorry, not the Den, 
the shed, uh, uh, <laughs> shed. the shed in New Me- in Santa Fe, New Mexico has amazing, uh, enchiladas, like, and easily one of the best margaritas you'll ever have. Oh man. So they only let you have two legitimately. Okay. It's it, one of those got, it's got some, it packs a punch. It packs a punch. Oh man. What, what restaurant do you think you could bring here? And you have friends that own restaurants who could come here and start a restaurant and, Dude, I tell, my, I tell my buddy Eric Silverstein all the time who owns the Peach Tortilla and Bar Peach down in Austin. Yeah, yeah. Like, Dude, we need to do a Peach Tortilla up here. Come on. We need to do a Franchise, Peach Tortilla. Let's go. Seriously. Uh, I think I think he would kill it. Um, I mean, dude, I want a sweet green here so bad because I love sweet green. Yeah. I uh, love sweet. I, I would love a juice land up here as well. Juice land. Yeah. Juice, juice land. Some healthy, healthy yeah. options there. I do like, yeah. We need some healthier options. Super Rica. Oh, Ford Fry. Who who do we have to I'm, who do we have to call I'm, right I'm now? Gonna you text, your phone right I'm gonna there. text Ford right now. And I'm gonna tell him we're talking about you right now on a podcast. I'm gonna tell people, and for the three people listening to this, the best pancakes in the world that yeah. I've ever had were at a Tex-Mex restaurant in Houston, in Houston, Texas, yeah. up in the Heights, and you can eat together a pancake the size of your head. Literally oh, takes I mean, up the whole plate. Or a beach ball. Or beach ball. And you can also, with a side of some good sizzling fajitas. Yeah, the fajitas are good. people don't raise their eyebrows when you see that. You can do a brunch there and order the best pancakes of your life. And, oh, I'm also feeling some Mexican food here. Bam, get a margarita. You can also get a tamale. Yeah. They have tamales. You go do tamales, then you go home and take a nap. And those days in Houston... I'm so nostalgic about Houston because it is a food city. It's yeah, one of those it things where when I came to Waco, I came to Milo and I had a Houston experience. Yeah. I had a like, Oh man, this is it. I remember, I think I got on Yelp. This is how we met. S- somebody was trashing you and it pissed me off. And I went in there and I was like, I don't know why people aren't five star in this place, but there needs to be more of this. That's literally what you said. Yeah. And, uh, you reached out, I think that evening you're like, Hey, next time you're, you're in flag me. Yeah. And that was how my wife and I, Emily, we were dating at the time, but that's how we met you. Yeah, I remember that it, every little cornerstone in our relationship and marriage has had Milo. So I always <laughs> say like, if Milo ever went public, I would buy shares because oh, man, I love it. Night of our engagement, uh, you actually, this is this is typical Corey right here. We come in, we're getting married in two days, and Corey finds out. And Emily and I are pretty nervous about the wedding, so we're taking the time to have y'all's amazing margaritas and your old fashions. Mm-hmm. And I think we're two in at this point. We're writing the check, and then literally, I think we're the last people in the restaurant. And here you come with two handfuls of frozen margarita, and you're Sounds just all like, right. Hey guys, I heard you're getting married <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> that sounds accurate. Oh, it was it was a fun night, but um, yeah, we should have walked home on that one. Yeah, well, you know, it happens. It happens every now and then. You Such know? a good host moment, though, man. <sighs> and I, I think that that like encapsulates it. It's like you know, because I think when you wrote that review, it wasn't from the standpoint of like Milo is perfection. It was from the standpoint of like you've got to see what they're doing here and believe in that and help us get better. Like no restaurant in the world can get better being in an echo chamber and listening to themselves. You have to listen to the people that are, that are like coming in a restaurant who want to be regulars, who like want to love you. But like there's good feedback and there's just like piss poor feedback. And a lot of the, a lot of those like one star, two star reviews are just like, 
Well, this place wasn't open on Tuesday. I couldn't find parking. It's yeah, like, what do okay, you do with that? Well, yeah, get out of here. And like, if we if we messed up, like, just tell us. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell like we obviously we obviously like missed something. And it's a human being back there that's like, I don't know. They're bringing all of their baggage in there. They're stressed. They're, I mean, probably exhausted. They maybe maybe you sick. Maybe their child's sick and they didn't sleep the night before or whatever. They're like, sweating their tail off standing next to that heat. Yeah. Or like they got in a car wreck and then now they're only down in one car. And like they know that like they have to get through their shift so they can go pick up their wife so their wife can get to, their, to her job. There's like all those like little complications that like exist in the world. And that human's bringing that into that moment. And the fact that they may have forgotten to salt your piece of chicken before they grilled it is very highly. Yeah. Life. The fact it's life. And the, or the fact that like they got lost in their own day, th- their, their own thoughts of like what's happening in their life. And they're bringing, again, they're bringing it in that they may have overcooked the, the chicken a little bit or overcooked the burger or like burnt the bun. Whatever, dude. Like just say, like, hey, this doesn't seem like what you intended it to be. Can we have a conversation about that? It's like, absolutely. Let me look at it. Oh my God. Yeah, this is not right. Let me get this fixed for you. Like that happens. And I think that foundationally, none of us got into this business to just do what we want. Like we did this to share something with you, create a space for you, create a place of refuge. And we want it to be approachable. We want it to be exciting. We want you to like make it your place where like if you're if you're celebrating, you're coming in to, to hang out with us so we can share that moment with you. And we can only get to that point with positive or negative, doesn't matter, feedback that happens in person and mm. not online. Vulnerability. And vulnerability. Yeah. And every one of my managers, excellent at vulnerability and just like having a real conversation of like, yeah, we messed that up. Let us fix it for you. Or like, hey, I, we didn't catch this in time. Here's a $200 gift card. Please come back next week. And, let, and here's my number. Let me know when you're coming in. Yeah. And we'll take care of you. We probably won't, won't even let you use your gift card. We'll just call it <laughs> Yeah, we got you, bro. Well, your hush puppies come out in two minutes, so it doesn't matter. Like, you're going to be able to fix it in a lickety split. Yeah. Just let them breathe for a second. Just yeah. Like, hey, we'll be back with that. Mm-hmm. Dude, this hour has been one of the most fun I've had up here. I do want, because I wrote fun stuff on my little shot sheet here. Um, we're going to go down the line for these three. Okay. And this is going to stick with how we opened up favorite cooking show or movie. If you're like, man, I just want to watch some food get cooked. Uh, I mean, if I'm being honest, the menu was awesome. <laughs> the menu. It was wild. It was wild. Yeah. But I also love horror movies. So it's like, what a combo both. I'm like, uh, this, this is, it spoke to me in every way. But, uh, I mean, I think, um, you know, the movie Chef with Jean Favreau is just amazing. And also Spanglish with, uh, it's it's like kind of a cooking movie, but it's with uh, Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you, if you've never seen either of those movies, you should watch them. Yeah, Chef will inspire you to go oh, buy a food truck and go. And I think that Chef really captured like the desperation you feel, but you can't get away from what you what you're meant to do and what you want to be doing and that movie encapsulates that feeling of like this is all i want to do it just is me just and i cook. can't I, I can't get away from it and um the cooking show um uh netflix I mean, has got a ton of them like chef's yeah, table i don't think i've watched any of those you I, haven't chef, watched chef's, chef's table? i think i've seen chef's table maybe a couple it's episodes like watching of art it. I, and 
I I do like that. I think you know, like I haven't watched The Bear. Um, I think that like there's a little bit of PTSD. Jake Patterson said it gives him anxiety to see The Bear. Think, He's like, know. that's too real. These, I don't think I watch it. Yeah, you guys are in the trenches back there. What about uh, Burnt? Burnt's a really great movie. Is that real um, life? I mean, is that the expectation of a Michelin star chef? I definitely. I, I mean, I've met and, and I know a couple of those guys, and they're just like on a different level. Yeah. Like Sean Brock, one time I asked him, I was like, "Hey, dude, like, what are you doing this weekend? I watch any football?" He said, "Dude, all I do is cook." And I'm like, mm. oh, "Okay, great, got it. Yeah. The life I've chosen. The life I've chosen." And I think that, like, yeah, I think, yeah, I think those would be the ones. I mean, I do like. I do like Top Chef sometimes because it's just hilarious <laughs> because it's like you think that these these are not real world situations where you like have to like carry a a grill and a cooler through a field but like I've had to fucking do that and it just is one of those things some reality <laughs> punch there yeah um, so yeah I I don't watch a lot of those things so that's I mean you're you're in it every day and I'm a, I'm a huge sci-fi nerd. Mm. I love sci-fi things. We're going to have a sci-fi episode coming up. I promise I you on that. I'm okay. Give me, and I did this with Jake. I did it locally, but with you, I want to go bigger. Okay. Give me your ideal foodie day. Where are you eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Oh, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. It'll make your hair sizzle a little bit because you got to think about it. So breakfast. Um, where am I eating breakfast? Mm. Probably going to eat breakfast, at, and this is maybe a cop-out. I eat breakfast at my mom's house. Okay. Home um, cooking, Georgia? Still yeah, in Georgia? Well, she's in Harrison, Tennessee. But okay. It's like right outside of Chattanooga. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, going to eat breakfast at my mom's house. And um, lunch, you said? Lunch and dinner, yeah. Lunch, uh, let's see. Lunch, I would probably opt to go to, hmm, oh, man, there's this uh, Taco Mesa in Costa Mesa, California. Definitely going to go there for lunch. And then for, uh, I mean, literally some of the, they, we got this Berea burrito and it's California wet style. So the sauce is over the top. Oh yeah. Sopping wet. Sopping wet. I got to eat it. Dinner. Um, easily my favorite restaurant of all time. State bird in, uh, San Francisco, California. Mm. Yeah. I'd say a close runner up would be, uh, let's I mean, there's just so many restaurants. There are, and that's why I stuck so local hard. with Jake, but I knew you had been around the, the town a little bit. Um, Henrietta Red in Nashville is really good. Um, it's one of my favorites. Um, I feel like, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm addicted to Morosos. I just love Dan, and I love the Vesuvio, and I love, like, just everything that they do there. It's just dumb with excellence. Um also, uh, Lupita's on 19th is really good for breakfast, a little breakfast taco action. Um, you know, I know there's a hotly contested Lolita's. There, you got a, you got a good following there. A big following. But Lupita's, man, you walk up, you roll up, they've got like a thing of uh, masa harina, so flour, and then masa uh, maiz, so corn. And then they, they order like a, you want two breakfast tacos corn they just take the masa out roll it and do it right there right there in front of you it's amazing authentic very good yeah. um yeah 
And I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of great food. It's a lot of great food and it's in Waco too. And it's coming up in Waco. We got a lot that Corey was shared with us today. Dude, thank you so much for taking the time out and we're going to do this again, but we're going to go movies. I think that I'm all into it. I think that that one's going to be like three hours, like a Joe Rogan. And we're just going to sit here and get some uh, Balcones whiskey out and, and just have a field day. Invite whoever you want. I love movies. And I mean, like that's, that's like one of my, 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 like, I, I'm actually an introvert. Most people that like, I think know me from the restaurant think I'm an extrovert, but I'm actually like very introverted. And, um, I like just have to like turn off. Yeah. And so recharge. I just like, I'll go home sometimes and just be totally silent. And I'll still watch a movie, watch two movies or like, you know, whatever, just to like not talk. You know, <laughs> my, my brain just kind of shuts off. Yeah. Well, you're, you're going to be watching a movie tonight because this is going to hit you in about two hours when you're like, oh my gosh, why is my throat so So dry? many words. <laughs> so many words, but so many great words, dude. Thank you for coming to the Story Podcast. We're going to get you back out here and maybe get some Aussies in here, some guys from around the world that are investing dude, in you. We'd we'll love that. We'll just have a blast. Oh, we would have such a good time. Yeah. We'll take the show on the road, just do it over at Herringbone. Yeah, well, we may do that. We'll Can we like throw a cable like that way? A little zip line down a there. A little zip line action? Yeah. Yeah, I love, I love it. it, dude. Thank you so much. Yeah, dude. Thank you for having me. Yeah. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching for Trevor Caswell Realtor. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.